Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and we're going to have an interesting conversation uh, this afternoon talking about understanding and appreciating the crooked lines that show up when when dementia hits your family um, or community. And we're going to tie that in, you know, to the holidays as well. That's such an important time, and not everyone always feels comfortable Um, visiting and participating with those with dementia. So we'll try to break through maybe some of the the stigmas that are out there and um, give you some tips on compassionate care. Um, I I always like to just give a shout out to the Mark Arneson Band. They allow us to use their, uh, their song Clearing Call as the opening music, which I so appreciate. And for those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks is true talk radio. We don't want to just talk about sound bites. We like to have real conversations. And today is a live show. So you could call in to the platform, which is 323-870-4602. That's 323-870-4602. I also want to just um, drop a note that December 20th, we will be doing an open mic, and so anybody can call in to talk about a service, a product, a tool, um, maybe an idea, um, maybe something that they see is working great, maybe something that they, you know, see as a need. Uh, we like to talk to everyone there. So we, um, Alzheimer's Speaks also provides a lot of um, free resources. So check out our website, alzheimerspeaks.com, and you'll see we've added a new tab for a book. Betty the Bald Chicken is now open for um, pre-orders, and I don't have that page quite finished on the site, but you you will get the, the gist of it. So let's go ahead and introduce you to our guest today. I am excited to have have uh, both of these wonderful people join us today. We have Jenna Zark, who is the author of Crooked Lines, A Single Mom's Jewish Journey. And she is also a playwright who who works are produced in New York and the Midwest and at regional theaters throughout the country. She's also the Director of Communications at Cassia, which provides housing and health care and community services to older adults. So welcome, Jenna. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm well. It's great to be here, Lori. I'm thrilled to have you. Now, also joining us is a Chaplain Arlen Solem, and he has been a chaplain for Emerald Crest Memory Care since 2018. 
And he loves spending his days with so many people that he now considers his friends. So um, welcome, uh, Arlen. How are you doing today? I'm well, and thank you for having me today. It's great. Well, I I appreciate you taking the time, and I just want our our audience to know he gave me permission to call him Arlen, so um, (laughs) I'm not purposely (laughs) being disrespectful there, so we should be good on that. I always like to ask everybody who's a guest if they've been personally touched by dementia. And, Arlen, I'm going to have you go first. Has, Has anyone in your family or your circle of friends um, been diagnosed with dementia? You know, the one that comes to mind most mm-hmm. readily I, is my uncle um, has had early onset Alzheimer's, and he has been about 15 years since he was first showing symptoms anyway. He didn't get diagnosed right away, but first showing symptoms. So my uncle. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. My mom lived with it for 30 years. And yeah. um, in the first 10, the doctors kind of blew her off like it was just her hormones. And she kept saying, nope, it's something more than that. And we sure found out it was um, later on down the road. Um, Jenna, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your family history with dementia? Well, it started out with my mom. And my father started talking about it to my sister and I when she was, I think, her late 70s. And then she had it uh, for quite a while, and he was um, about three years older. And by the time he was about 85, it started getting you know, more into the end stages for her. She did really well. They lived at home together. But then she had to, you know, the end stages, she she ended up in the hospital for a while, which was actually kind of a nightmare. People didn't seem to have any clue of what she was going through or what she needed. My father, um, as he got older in about 89, started showing signs also of Alzheimer's. And we brought him out to Minnesota, where I was living with my, am still living, with husband and son. Uh, And uh, son is older now, but, um, and is in New York. But we brought him to Emerald Crest and... um, I write about both parents in um, my book, Crooked Lines, and their experience. Okay, great. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, double whammy when it's both parents, but we're hearing more and more families um, falling into that. So it's mm. it's good to know. I mean, we all want to kind of be in denial that it's not going to hit our family, and then when it hits one, we think, okay, you know, we've, we've taken our hit, it's done, it's over with, and then all of a sudden, boom, someone else in the family um, starts having issues as well. Now, Jenna, you wrote the book, um, Crooked Lines, A Single, a single Mom's um, Jewish Journey, and you did that, you know, to kind of share your non-traditional family and, and how holidays um, can often not, I don't know, 
you can sometimes feel excluded from things. Uh, you know, when you don't follow yeah. the, the Catholic way, you know, of, of Christmas and things like that. Um, you mm-hmm. also write about your relationship with your, your mom and your dad with dementia. And I know one of those chapters really touches on celebrating Hanukkah with your father. And, you know, I'd love you to talk a little bit more about that and what his experience with the holidays was you know, um, and, and you're, you're all. Well, um, I'd like to read a a little bit from the chapter, if I may. Sure. Um, it's an abridged version. The chapter is longer and, and goes into more detail, but when my dad was at Emerald Crest and I visited and it was a holiday, I was wondering what, what do I do about that? Can we celebrate that? And um, I found out we could and that we could actually include the people around us. So maybe I'll just read a little bit from that chapter. Um, it's called sure. Last Dance. Memory. I am lighting menorah candles at Hanukkah, and my father isn't home yet. My mother is behind me, and as I light each candle, we say blessings together. Plate full of potato latkes, pancakes, waits on the table. I am trying to time the blessings with my father's arrival because I want to dance on his shoes. I am seven years old. Mom tries calling my father at his store. Tony, this is Faye. Has Max left yet? He has, but only 15 minutes ago, because December is a busy time in retail. So our little dance will have to wait. We did a lot of dancing when I was small. Once the Hanukkah candles were lit, We sang all the songs and danced like magpies while my mother finished cooking. When my dad was late, my mom and I sat down to eat once the lighting was done. But when my father arrived, he did not fail me. We sang Hanukkah, Oh Hanukkah, and half a dozen other songs. It seemed he would never tire of dancing me around. Years later, we were at Emerald Crest, a small assisted living community specializing in Alzheimer's and similar conditions. My husband and son and I saw my father several times a week, taking him out for bagels and tea. But he knew he wasn't at home and desperately wanted to be. If the doctors hadn't told us he couldn't live on his own anymore, I wouldn't have brought him out here. At the same time, I'm glad we did. The evening I'm thinking of now began when it was just past four and the sky was already darkening. It was the first of eight nights of Hanukkah and we were in a room full of older adults with various conditions. During the last year or so of his life, my father lost some of his ability to verbalize but retained his sense of humor and warmth. We could hold hands on the couch for hours and understand each other perfectly. And if something was wrong and I needed to talk about it, I knew I could 
and my dad would listen. I knew that because whatever I know of gentleness, kindness, and grace, I learned from my father. Yet the Alzheimer's often felt like it was keeping us apart. By the year 2050, Minnesota's cases of Alzheimer's are expected to reach 200,000, according to a study at the Alzheimer's Association. Those who have it may be us. I would like us to see them, though we mostly ignore them. I would like us to see them differently. Maybe Hanukkah is a good way to start. I've tried to emphasize in these pages that it's not a major holiday like Christmas, but Hanukkah has its own spark. I think it was meant to be mostly about defiance, particularly the defiance of Jews who refused to give up their traditions, even when it would have been prudent to do so. No matter what condition we are in, we're still part of a community that has lit candles on Hanukkah for thousands of years, and each one of us still has some Hanukkah light in our eyes. The night I was with my dad at Emerald Crest, staff asked me to share the holiday candle lighting ceremony. On the first night, I told them, you light only one candle using a shamash, caretaker candle. I sang the blessings, and my father recognized them immediately. When I looked at him, he flashed a broad smile. When the blessings were finished, I took my father's hand while reaching for the woman next to me. I asked people to dance around the menorah and began to sing. Seeing this, a staffer took someone else's hand, and in a few seconds, everyone was dancing. I stole a glance at my father. The light of the candles was reflected in his face. Dancing with my father, I wanted to believe some things are eternal, whether there's life after death or not. Driving home, I couldn't help but think of the little girl whose father danced her around the menorah. Knowing if I asked, my dad would again invite me to jump on his shoes. I think of it now, years after his death, still seeing my father's eyes in the flames of Hanukkah. Tonight I have only a picture that does little justice to him, but it will have to do. Maybe somewhere we are still dancing together in the light. Oh, that's beautiful. I can see how you can be a playwright because you're so descriptive. And I was visualizing everything you were saying um, so easily, Um, quite beautifully. So thank you yeah. so much for sharing that. Um, it, it is hard, and it is. I think it is something that people don't think about as much when people have different holidays and and different religions that they celebrate. I, I think we've gotten better over the years, but I, I still think there's a long, long ways to go with all of that. Um, what was your, you know, your dad's reaction? Um, to being able to celebrate with his friends with Hanukkah. Did that give him comfort? I think, you know, he he was very much in the moment. And I think he wasn't sure 
how people were going to react, but people were so welcoming and seemed very happy, and there were big smiles, and that was, I think, wonderful to see. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I think Emerald Crest is that kind of community where, you know, I always thought thought of it as a spiritual place and a place that was respectful of many different traditions. Um, And I also think people liked just having something new and novel and something fun, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Not that it wasn't fun. There There were great activities there, but just to have something that felt a little more like a holiday. I think holiday time, that's one of the reasons I wanted to write about all these holidays, is really an elevated time for us. And and so it's, you know, it's doubly hard when, for whatever reason, someone isn't, Someone may have Alzheimer's or someone is, you know, not in a nuclear family or someone is different in, in another way that that they don't feel they belong, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, celebrating holidays, you know, there's there's more than one way to do it. And I think that that that's what attracted me to to writing about this. Well, I'm glad you did because, you know, I think there's a lot of benefits. Um, When you said holidays can really, you know, elevate um, our connections with one another. It's a, it's a way to bring joy. Um, That's what most people, you know, think about when they, when they think of holidays, they think of celebration. Um, It's a way to, to learn about you know other people's um, religions and, and traditions, and it also is so inclusive, and and I think that that is extremely important because everybody wants to belong um, mm-hmm. to wherever they are. So so thank you for sh- uh, sharing that, um, Arlen. For you as a chaplain, can you talk a little bit about the importance of celebrating, you know, holidays for people with Alzheimer's or different forms of dementia? Yeah, I think it's um, one of the most important things that can be done because um, the holidays, there's so many traditions, as you said, they're so familiar with people. And Mm -hmm. so people have this years and years and years of um, experience and memories and really knowledge about how things are done so that when you have a celebration and, and, and Jenna talked about the lighting of the menorah and how many times has that been done since, you know, your dad was probably a little kid since you were a little girl, um, things you did together. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the, um, you know, at Christmas time, a lot of the hymns are that way for people. The tree is that way for people. Um, mm-hmm. Families have foods and such and just the very, familiar the things that people know without knowing them um i start doing um singing christmas type hymns in the worship services i do at emerald crest 
um, right about Thanksgiving, and I'll keep doing them probably until February um, at least. And there's snow on the ground, and people see that outside, but also they're so beloved. And instead of being repetitive to people, again, it's just familiar, it's comfortable, and I'll start singing, and people will not necessarily, if you ask someone to sing Silent Night, they probably can't do it, but you start singing it, and then they um, almost instinctively and in, in start singing along with you, and the experience I have with that hymn in particular um, is amazing. People who don't talk much or maybe not even at all will sing along to that or even people who can't sing you hold their hand and they will start moving their hand along with that so i mean holidays just have so many rich memories for people but also again the familiarity yep i well and you know you're right there's so many multi-sensory connections that can be made you know you've got um, just the sounds with with phrases and prose and songs and the, and the rhythm in which we speak. Um, there can be um, the 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 sense, um, you know, of of what we're smelling. You know, if there's incense burning or if it's certain, you know, um, foods that we might be smelling, you know, for that particular holiday. Uh, it can be, you know, the touch. Um, so often I think as we age, people aren't touched as much. And so if it's, you know, receiving a sacrament or or praying and putting your hands together, you know, or, or whatever, whatever your holiday rituals are, you know, those are all tied into, like you said, long-term memories. And as the disease progresses, you know, people living with, with a form of dementia um, depend and kind of revert to those those older mo- memories when they're kids. And I, I think the other piece that I love about the long-term memory is, you know, the innocence of the pure joy of the moment. I, I, I have seen that return to adults who, you know, might have forgotten that before. But there's just a, there's an innocence and an acceptance of of goodness. Um, is that I'd agree. That, I, oh, good. So I was going to ask if if you agree um, with that. I, I just find that so powerful. Um, Arlen, do, do you see that in your work as well with people? Absolutely. And I think of, you know, people who, you know, sometimes people with um, forms of dementia will kind of time travel. Well, they will remember or think of themselves as much younger than they were. They'll think of where they were growing up and think they're that person. And no matter where they think they are or if they are just confused and don't know what is going on, those um, holiday traditions ground people and center people. And so even if you think that you're the little girl who grew up in Iowa, it's still Christmas and Mm -hmm. you know what to do. Or if you're somebody who doesn't necessarily think that but is – not sure what's going on. Boy, when you see, um, you know, like the menorah or the Christmas tree and some Christmas cookies or singing some Christmas songs, um, you know what to do. You know what's going on and just that comfort that that brings to people. And um, for people who a lot of times aren't able to do things um, the way they used to be able to, um, a lot of the 
holiday traditions people might do differently but still do well a lot of times mm-hmm. too. Yeah, that's that's good. And I, I like when you said, you know, grounding people, um, being able to see people, at, in dementia or not, just feeling comfortable in their own skin and their surroundings and at peace. Um, what a gift that is and how how simple many times we can we can offer that up if we get out of our own way um, and be inclusive. Now, Jenna, did you celebrate other holidays um, with your dad as well, like you like you did, uh, like you just uh, shared in, in the story about Hanukkah with him? We did with Passover. I would bring matzah and, you know, it was right about Easter time. I think people people knew of both holidays. Passover maybe a little less, but we didn't have a whole Seder. But mm-hmm. we did talk about it. We had grape juice. We had matzah. And I think, you know, he, I think he appreciated that, that we could have these holidays at New Year's, Jewish New Year's, which is in September. I would also bring apples and honey for people just to have a sweet New Year. And I think even though people didn't, quite get the 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 references they they understood the idea of having something sweet to start out the new year mhm so i i didn't do a lot more than that but i liked that we could that we could celebrate those holidays together and and then of course holidays like thanksgiving that were just any holiday, you know, mm-hmm. holidays everyone was celebrating, um, or Fourth of July, or you know, and I we'd visit on Christmas, although we weren't, you know, that wasn't our tradition. It was just fun mm-hmm. to have people share it with us and see the, you know, the decorations and the tree and so on drive around and see the lights. I always loved doing that as mm-hmm. a little child. Yeah, we used to do that with my with my mom when she had dementia. We would um a lot of times we'd just get a limo and we'd pack up the family and, and go and she just felt like Queen Bee when we would do that, you know, because she always loved just loved looking at the lights and stuff. And so I, I think, you know, when you're talking about, you know, bringing you know the apples and the honey. It's it's those small gestures of kindness. You know, sharing food with one another, sharing sharing song. Um, those touch the heart, and you know, there's kind of no denying that. And again, it's old emotional memory that is in there. That the world, yes. the world is so yes. good. You know, and when we watch TV, sometimes it's it's hard to find that, especially nowadays. But I think that that is so important um, to be able to celebrate um, with people, and again, feel that that comfort and that joy. Um, I wanted to ask, um, what do I want to ask next? I think I, I'm going to go to to Arlen again and ask if if you have any advice that you would give to family members that want to celebrate the holidays with their loved ones 
who who might have uh, you know a form of dementia. Any wise words there for them? Oops, you know what? I don't have you. I messed up. I I took I put you on mute there. Okay, you're live now. We can get we can hear you. All right, now. now you can hear. Well, I said the best thing you would ever. Now you missed it. I, um, I no. Know. Um, I you know some of what Jenna said, where you know a Seder meal is a couple hours long or more usually, isn't it, Jenna? It is. It can yeah, be quite so long. Yeah, and so for her to say. Um, you know, we didn't have the whole Seder meal, but I brought the matzah and you had part of it and to bring pieces of it. I think um, knowing that um, not having the big, long celebrations that maybe happened in the past is a is an important thing to remember that a lot of people aren't able to um, do that in the way and, and enjoy it in the way they once did. I think a lot of times... Um, especially if a person lives in a care facility. Some people live in care facilities, can go out with their families just fine and go to, you know, celebrations at a church or, or at a home. Um, but for a lot of them, just the car ride is exhausting. And then there's the always thinking about how, you know, one lady, she tells me, you know, everybody wants to take mom out to eat for her birthday, which she would have loved years before. And she said, well... If mom has to use the bathroom at this restaurant or if mom has an accident, what are you going to do then, you know? And then the siblings will go, oh, yeah, we didn't think of that. Um, so I think coming to people and bringing things with you, um, if there are, um, you know, anything that you can bring with you physically. So um, she brought the matzah. Um, we have a house where this coming Wednesday we'll be making lefsa, which was something that a woman in one of our homes did oftentimes um, for for around holidays, and she's not able to do it anymore, and that's a Scandinavian food that people have for people who don't know. And um, But we'll be making it on-site there, and so doing that celebration there um, and sharing that with people. Um, I think also knowing that Oftentimes the day itself isn't nearly as important as it might be um, that a lot of, especially the, our residents, most of our residents by the time they live in a care facility aren't exactly aware of the date all the time. Um, and so knowing that, boy, if you can't do it on an exact day, that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. And just trying things, you know, doing, finding familiar things, singing with people, um, I read, um, and the worship services read a very familiar passage from Luke chapter 2 with the shepherds, and it's amazing the number of people who can recite along certain passages of that with me. Um, And again, people who if you said, hey, tell me what Luke chapter 2 says, they'd have no idea. Um, But when you say it with them, then they go, oh, I know that, and do that. Um, And I think having um the size of it too being something to think about so mm-hmm. knowing that oftentimes a lot of people can lead to a lot of commotion and being overwhelming and even something if somebody used to like a big holiday party they might not anymore now you just have a bunch of people moving around and all this sound and and sights and overstimulating and you can't um 
concentrate on any of it. Um, so if you do have someone to your home or someplace, have it try to think of a you know a few people being there. Um, I think plan on things being short, and if things go well, they can be made longer. And I think too, coming to someone's um, to a care facility, to having having a few people come along rather than you know everybody's home for Christmas, so let's have all the grandkids and everybody all come at once um, ends up just being overwhelming and not not meaningful to the person there. They're just confused and overwhelmed. Um, I think about how tired, you know, if you have a big party at your house and a big celebration at your house, afterwards you're probably really tired. And it's not necessarily because you're physically tired, you're just mentally worn out. Mm -hmm. Um, And a person with dementia has that same thing, only it happens much more quickly and with much less... um, stimulation going on. I think I I want to interject here because I remember some of that and being told by staff, your dad is trying so hard to make sure that everything is perfect while you're here and how emotionally exhausting that must be Mm. just for him to want to make sure that I'm having a good time, that we're all having a good time, that everything is going to go well. And they would talk about doing an activity for a half hour and not more than that. And once I brought my dad to see my son in a play, which was several hours, and it just didn't go well at all. He just wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of times you don't know when that is going to change within a person, too. So, you know, just because it worked last year doesn't mean it's going to work this year. A lot of people struggle Mm -hmm. with that on um, going on vacations. Oh, we always go south, (laughs) you know. Well, the disease changes and it progresses. Um, You know, I liked, um, Arlen, when you brought up about, you know, maybe smaller groups, you know, you can do multiple get-togethers and, and being on the day, you don't need to put that pressure on yourself or them for everybody to show up on the specific holiday um, all the time, I think is is good. Um, you had talked about, you know, coming to them instead of pulling them pulling them out. You know, we always think it's a, a big favor we're doing. We found that with my mom too. You know, we, we used to go to the restaurant and, you know, she in the beginning, she could order from a meal or from a menu. And then she started looking at the pictures. And then, you know, she started getting upset when the food would come because it wasn't what she thought she ordered. And so then I would ask her if she would share with me because I couldn't make up my mind. So it was my fault. And she was doing me a favor. And, you know, that worked. We we couldn't do the buffet anymore because she'd have five different plates going and and kind of get sidetracked. And, you know, when when we would have um, gatherings at my house, when she was able to come out, um, and we might have like a big open house thing, and she would have just eaten, and somebody sits down next to her and has a plate full, and then she's like, well, where's my plate? Because she didn't remember that she had eaten. And, you know, all, of the, all those little things come into play, or if they have to go to the bathroom or even where do you park, you know, how are you going to get them in and out of the car, um, especially if people haven't gone through that process. So, um, 
being able to participate um, in their environment where they already feel safe. And if they need, you know, to cut out earlier, it doesn't mean that the family still can't gather. Usually you'll reserve a room for a period of time or something. Um, but yeah, boy, it can avoid a lot of headaches and you've got more, more support. Um, you'd mentioned noise levels too. Um, I, I know I'm 63 and Boy, I I know what background noise is. I never knew what background noise was before I got older. And they say, you know, multiply that or where we position somebody at the table. People with dementia say, sit me at the end of the table versus on the sides because then I have two people on either side of me. I have to turn my head. I have to try to follow where the noise is coming from. But if I'm at the head of the table, I can see everybody more clearly. I can read lips. I mean, there's so many different things that can be that can be done, you know, to to help that out. And I loved when you mentioned, you know, reading the passages, you know, the the prayers, the songs, the food. They all elicit memories, um, muscle, and uh, they can go back in time, which is which is very very powerful. Um, Jennifer, you now your mom also had you know dementia. Uh, how did how did sh- how did things work with her in the holidays? Your dad seemed like he, he you know he was satisfied and comfortable, even though he, staff said he might be a little bit on edge trying to make sure everyone else was comfortable and things were going smooth. Right. How did your how did your mom react w- around the holidays? Well, that was it. Was just a very different living circumstance when she started showing signs of alzheimer's they were both living at home together we were on the east coast we were in i was in new york they were in new jersey and she my father pretty much took care of her and I don't know if they spent a lot of time celebrating holidays, except if they were getting together with family. Mm-hmm. And if we would come over and it was Passover or Hanukkah or something, and we'd bring something with us to eat or something like that to make it easier. But I think throughout, and I think it was about, I don't know, 10 years for her Mm -hmm. that she had, you know, she had the disease. But I think what worked well for them was that they were in the house together. They had been living in the house a very long time and they were comfortable. And so she wasn't in an environment that was unfamiliar to her. And she had my dad there every day. Sometimes he would go out for exercise or something. I don't know that he got a lot of respite. He didn't complain. But Mm -hmm. she would call me or my sister and say, where is he? I don't know where he is. And we'd explain. He probably went out to exercise class or for a walk. But until the very end stages, she was with him. So I think it was much more comfortable in many ways for her than it Mm -hmm. might have been for him moving to a community 
And I I made sure to visit several days a week, and my husband did. And when my son was around and out of school, but I think it was still. I think Emerald Crest does a great job. I just think it was not, you know, where where he was used to in mm-hmm. New Jersey. Okay. Okay. Well, fair enough. And, and like you said, every every journey with dementia is different, even within the same family. Um, it's it's going to play out different, and so that's that's an important thing to understand. I I think so many people like, well, you know, just give, give me the pill for the cure, or you know, give me the give me the book that's going to tell me A to B to C to D, and this is <laughs> these are the steps and the orders. Everything's going to play out in and. These are the, and it's the never like that. It's never like that. It's never like that. So, you know, people, uh, I had one person say, you know, well, too bad there's not a, a book for dummies on dementia. And then another person <laughs> on the panel said, but we're all dummies when it comes to dementia because it's not the same <laughs> for any of them. So we all, we are all going to screw up at times where things aren't going to be perfect the way that we want them to, but we have to be gentle and kind to ourselves as well as we go through that, as we go through that process. And, you know, just learn. I think that's one of the biggest gifts is learning to be fluid um, and not beating yourself up. And and I think that that, that's one of the toughest things um, that most families go through is, is the guilt of not doing it right or not having enough time or whatever it might be. And we, I think we we dwell on that stuff too much and then we lose the moments in front of us where we could be creating joy and and connecting with our loved ones. Um yeah. I want uh, Oh, go ahead Arlen. Did you have something oh, to add? Oh, and I think a thing you can do is you can you with a lot of people with dementia, um not only will they change in what they maybe enjoy and what they don't, but they'll have different days. And from year to year, they'll change, but they'll change from day to day and um, hour to hour sometimes even. So you can maybe come ready to do something with them, and, boy, they're just not staying awake or tracking that day. And you could come the next day, and they would. And so um, being fluid, um, forgiving of yourself and um, not feeling – like a failure, knowing that you can not only try again um, next year, but you can try again, you know, the next day. And and for some people, you know, one of the blessings of dementia for some people who have little short-term memory is that the joy, the newness and the joy that you have of something new. And mm-hmm. boy, you could have a celebration two or three days in a row with somebody and they might love it equally every time and have it be, oh, boy, this is such a great day. This is such a great day. This is such a great day. And just, uh, you know, I I find that with, you know, I'll find a, a story that somebody likes to tell, and they'll tell it to you. And, um, you know, I can see them the next week, and they'll tell me again. And it's like they're telling it the first time or have a joke that they like, and they, it's like they're hearing it the first time. And, um knowing that, yeah, you can do things more than once even, or, or try again if it doesn't seem to go well, knowing that it might work a second time. It's not you. It's just not the right day, not the right time, and that trying again might go very well. 
Well, and I think what's funny, too, is when illness seems to knock on our door, all of a sudden we expect perfection and we expect everything to just go smoothly. And it's like uh, life wasn't smooth before disease hits right. or it, an adversity. <laughs> so why, are, why, why do we put that expectation for it to occur now? Um, to, to me, one of the biggest gifts in in dementia, you know, I say, you know, it was one of the biggest gifts wrapped in a really strange package, but was to be fluid, to be flexible, to to learn to be more spontaneous, more accepting, more forgiving, you know, of others and myself, and and to always know there's another moment to create joy, you know, stop focusing on the negative and focus on you know, how how are you going to create joy? Because that can only be recognized or created in the moment. And if we're beating ourselves up, you know, or projecting into the future, you know, we're not present and we're going to miss it. And those are the things that will stick to our hearts, you know, for, for a lifetime. So I think that's really important. Um, Jenna, what would you ask staff members, you know, who are, who are there helping care for, you know, our loved ones that are having some memory issues um, and dementia issues at the holiday season. What, what do you think they could do to make life better? Well, I think, first of all, I'd probably ask them when it's a good time. One of the things that, that I discovered in the chapter I read was that it was a good idea to do it during the their occupational therapy uh times or programs and mm-hmm. to to have that be carved out of that time worked well because people were already gathered or gathering for it i think i would ask i would describe the holiday and i would ask about if there were food related ideas or maybe cooking related or what activities they thought would fit best for the holiday and basically what they thought would be needed to make it most successful, not just for you as the family member and your your loved one, but everyone who might be there because generally it's it's a community and and everyone wants to be included or part of it even if it's not their specific holiday i mm-hmm. think people are curious well i think people you know, when they see a celebration going on they want to be part of it and then it's like well why can't i be part of that you know and and so it gets into that whole being inclusive and letting people feel part and experience that. Um, I think time of day is really important, too, in terms of um, sometimes people decide they're going to get together at peak sundowning time, and then they wonder why their person's not sitting still or they're agitated or they don't want to see them. And sometimes it can just be that we're there at the wrong time of day for that particular individual as well um mm-hmm. so so many and i think I so many different details have i didn't see sundowning for my dad mm-hmm. or my mom but i know you know i've heard from many people that 
that they have. And mm-hmm. actually, in in this the situation I was in, it was getting dark. It was four o'clock, and in the winter, and it worked fine. But mm-hmm. I think that is something that you bring up that's important mm-hmm. that that can affect people. And to ask, sometimes there's if if you're working, you can't get there before evening, and then yep. you know what do you do? Mm-hmm. Yep. I always found with my mom bringing little food, little treats <laughs> always helped. For her, you mm-hmm. know, if it was swinging, swinging through McDonald's and getting her little hot fudge sundae or something, you know, that always kind of perked her interest and set a good mood. Now, if you've got somebody who's diabetic, that might not work for you. <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. you know, favorite things I think are important to all of us to know. Why don't you share, I can't believe we only have about 10 minutes left already. Why don't you share a bit about your, your mom's experience? Because that was very different from your dad's and didn't go as smooth and it, you know I think there's probably some some lessons and insights in that that can help our audience as well yes um, I could read a little bit too I think um, again very abridged but um, I could read a little bit of that there was uh, a time when we had to my dad brought my mom to the hospital she had kidney kidneys starting to fail she was at end stages and they were very understaffed and didn't know what really what to do um so it's called new life old life new year What happens to us anyway? I told myself not to think about it. It was a new year, getting close to the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. I was in a hospital room with my mother, who was dying of renal failure and in the end stage of Alzheimer's. I marveled at her eyes, deep and dark and set on high cheekbones. We were in New Jersey, and the hospital was understaffed, so everyone ignored us. I was trying to set things up so we could bring my mother home, but it was slow going. I had come straight to the hospital from the airport. Opening the door to my mother's room was like a descent into hell. And what I found was the nurses were so understaffed, they had her in restraints, She was just not being taken care of. Uh, I had to, we had someone that was going to be with her at home that came to the hospital and took the restraints off and made sure that she was getting fed properly. We talked to the staff, showed up quite a bit, and that started helping things turn around. And then I met a woman, an Orthodox Jewish woman, and her daughter, a little girl who said they could take us home, they could give us transport, and they were lovely. And so that made a big difference just in the experience itself to know there was someone sort of looking out for us and her daughter. And 
uh, I write about sitting in the car with them and say, Shoshana, who was the woman's name, led my father and I out to her car, and I rode in the back with the little girl, Rachel. The sun shone her curls up like copper, and she stared at me, wondering why I didn't wear a scarf like her mom. Was I married? I was, but I was not observing the rules of modesty. Of course, I was imagining all this. We hadn't said a word to each other. I smiled at Rachel, who looked at me solemnly. I couldn't tell her about my mother, and I knew all she had seen was a frail old woman in a hard white bed. When I was Rachel's age, the safest place in the world was my mother's lap, and if it was New Year's, we would be surrounded by relatives. I looked out the window, trying to stop the memories. I started to imagine Rachel's life instead. And I started just imagining this whole life for this little girl so that I I didn't have to think about this very painful issue of losing my mom. What could I say that will make this day better? What are the things we will never be able to say to each other? This Rosh Hashanah, I thought about Rachel, about how I wanted her life while I watched my mother leaving it. If it was up to me, Rachel would never know losses. She brought me so much brightness on a day that was so dark. She will probably never know how much she and her mother did for us and all the others in that hospital. I will never forget them. I have never been able to thank them. I guess that's what happens to us. Wow. So, um, so that was that was what happened that day. It was very, very hard, and nothing was the way I wanted it for my mother. Um, and I think just these little pieces of kindness from strangers can make so much difference. Oh, you know, in situations like that. Definitely. The the ripple effect of compassion and connection is I mean, you can't even put it into words. Um how it how it can change not only a person but a room, you know, but a a community. Um it just it happens so naturally and I think it's just at that that heart level again, which is is hard you know it's hard to put into words but it's a it's a true true universal gift that i think applies all over the world and so often i think in this rushed world that we live in we forget about just what a smile can do for somebody or holding a mm-hmm. door open or saying you know please or thank you or i, I just little things that don't cost us a dime that don't take much time, um, but can really be comforting to people. And so, um, again, I think your your writings are, are absolutely um, beautiful. I do want to sneak in um, before the end of the show here, contact information for you. So if people are interested in purchasing your book, Crooked Lines, A Single Mom's Jewish Journey, uh, they can go to your website, uh, Jenna Zark, that's J-E-N-N-A-Z-A-R-K.com. And they can find you on Facebook as Jenna Zark, author, playwright. 
You are also on Twitter as Zark Writing and Instagram as Author Jenna Zark. And, um, you know, if anyone is interested in reaching out to Chaplain Arlen Solem, you can either contact Jenna or myself on that, and uh, we would be glad to connect you as well. Um, Arlen, anything that you wanted to add here? We've just got a, like three minutes left. Yeah, just, again, to be um, flexible, forgive yourself. Know that oftentimes, you know, hearing about different family members, it seems to, there, there's always more loss when you're a spouse, it seems, than when you're a child. When you're a child, there's more loss than when you're a grandchild, by and large. And so it can be um, that much harder, and, and um, but also more meaningful to spend time with people and, and that you... Those, the closer you are, the more loss you see, I think, mm-hmm. in a lot of times, and the more time you've spent with somebody. So, um, to, yeah, to forgive yourself if you make missteps, to know that I give people advice and direction all the time. Um, but if it was my loved one, I would probably be make more mistakes than I do. I, it's harder to be objective when you have so much history and so much hope and so much. Um, yeah, connection with somebody. Mm-hmm. Anything else you'd like to add, Jenna? I just want to thank Arlen for saying that because I have tremendous times when I feel I didn't do that. I I wasn't knowing what to do, or I was doing the wrong thing, and I still feel guilty about it. And just what you just said made me feel better. So thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate uh, both of you spending this hour with us. This has been, I think, uh, real valuable and insightful. So listeners, I hope you like, click, and share this episode with others. Um, This is information I think everyone can use, um, holidays or not. You know, it's really about compassionate you know, conscious, compassionate care, and we can all do a little better with that. You know, each day we are given multiple moments on, on how to look and shape the world differently before us and to know that we all do affect one another on a much greater level than what we would ever, ever imagine. So, again, um, Jenna and uh, Arlen, thank you so much for, for taking this time with us today And I want to wish you and and our audience a happy holiday season. And we'll talk with everyone very soon again. Bye now. Bye now. Thank you, Lori. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Way Showers who will help your journey go a lot easier.